Well, I wanted Mitchell to speak the first Sunday he was here. So, um, he's going to be speaking a lot in the days to come. And um, him and his papa are going around the country preaching. Amen. 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 That's right. So, I want to get him started on the right foot. Amen. So he might as well start at the dwelling and, and start at home first into Jerusalem and into the uttermost parts of, of the West. I think that's what it says, of the West. I think it's the West. So baby girl, come on. This is Katie, my daughter. And um, this is one of my, one of my, birthday, one of my birthday gifts. You get pregnant and then you're irrelevant. <laughs> and that's okay because I feel irrelevant to me and it's all about him. Um, so when I talked to my dad last week about sharing this morning, he was like, well, go back and watch last week's message and you'll kind of see where we're at. So I was like, okay, got it. <laughs> and if you know him, I learned a long time ago how to speak Rodney. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good, I got it. And um, so I went back and watched the sermon, and he said something along the lines of anticipating what, what God's doing, right? And I was like, okay, God, I get that. I've been there, done that, walked that road. Um, what, what else are you trying to say about that? And he said, well, Katie, it's hard to anticipate what I'm doing if you don't know what I'm saying. And I was like, hmm, yeah, because all the times in my life that I've been walking through something, um, what got me from grief or mourning or waiting to a promise fulfilled was a word. And it's hard to, it's hard to anticipate if we don't know what he's saying. And... So me and God kind of went down this road the past week of remembering what my journey with him has looked like. And I um, was born with the awesome privilege of being the daughter of Rodney and Debbie Mitchell. And so what that sometimes <laughs> looks like to people is that my life was just simply that easy. <laughs> oh. And that's just, that's not my story. Um, I wish it was. That would have been awesome. But um, my story looked a lot different than that. And what it also kind of looked like was walking through a lot of those hard and difficult times alone. And so when I was a senior in high school, I was involved in a relationship that was just not good for me, right? Like you have people that come in your life where you're like, He's not a bad person. He's just not my person, right? And so it got really unhealthy for me. And what that ended up looking like was depression and anxiety and going, well, why doesn't anybody like me? 
what's wrong with me? Like, what is it about me that's not good enough? And it started me down this really dark journey of believing things about myself, about God, that were all completely untrue. But at the time, when you're 17 or 18 years old, and your brain's not fully developed, and you're emotional, and you, you don't know what's going on, it's all of that so easy to believe, right? And so I remember that was in 2010, and this journey lasted until about 2016. So about six years, I was like battling this depression, this anxiety, and gone to therapy, taken medicine, and the whole thing, and sometimes it would get better, and then some, some days it would be worse. And I remember I had moved to Birmingham. I was not going to church. I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, if this is where that got me, I'm not interested. I'm just being honest. I mean, I grew up in that building right there with Wayne Scarborough and Rodney Mitchell, but I was like, if that's where this got me, I'm out. Not interested. And I was sitting on my balcony at my apartment in Birmingham. I didn't know anybody in the city except for the people that I worked with. And I was like, God, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't really know what this is. I know that it's dark. I know that I feel alone. But this, I can't do this anymore. And if that's what you're about, I'm not interested. Just count me out. I'm good. And I remember so clearly the Lord telling me, Katie, I'm going to teach you how to trust me again. Because what happened is someone hurt you really bad. And now you don't trust anybody, not even yourself. And you definitely don't trust me. But that's okay. I'm going to teach you how to trust me again. And here's what I've learned. You can't trust, trust is not something you just do. You can't wake up one day and be like, okay, I trust you. Like I trust my husband with my life. He's my favorite person in the world. And I don't trust him because one day I just woke up and decided to. Like I don't trust that he's not going to cheat on me because there's a rule that says when you get married, you don't cheat on your wife. I don't trust that he's not going to be honest with me because there's a rule that says we have to be honest with each other because we're married. I trust him because I know in my bones how much he loves me. And you are not going to be able to trust God unless you know how much he loves you. Trust is born out of love. It's born out of relationship. It's a product of being in relationship. And lucky for us, God said, over my dead body, will we not be in relationship? Literally. In um, John chapter uh, 10, verse 27, he says, this is Jesus, when he tells everybody he's the son of God. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And he says, my sheep, not the head sheep, not the pastor, not 
my sheep, all of them that are mine, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So what that tells me is, I can hear him. Okay, cool. I'm one of those wild people who actually believes um, what he said. So that means I can hear him. Okay. So I need a word. <laughs> if, if we're going to learn how to trust each other, like Jonathan and I didn't get married and learn how to trust each other because we sat in silence in the same room. Like we talk, right? <laughs> we got to know each other. We laughed. We built a relationship. And communication, as we learned in our first six months of marriage, as we were screaming at each other every day, communication is very essential in a functional relationship, right? If you have any kind of relationship, marriage, friendship, parents, you know that communication has to happen in order for that relationship to exist. And so God started showing me all of these different ways that he had been trying to talk to me and I just didn't know what was going on and wasn't paying attention. So from the time I was a little girl, I can remember having these really vivid dreams. Every night, I would dream. And I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I was, you know, I can remember sitting in services up in the big church and having these, closing my eyes and having these visions and seeing things and I just, I mean, I was a kid, you know, what do you, okay, what's next? Um, And God started showing me as we started building this relationship that he had been talking to me my entire life. And I just wasn't aware. And so I was like, okay, God, well, I'm still not at this place where I really am, I'm still, I still got my walls up, right? Because this takes time. And... So I started having dreams again, and I would dream every night. And it was the only way, I think, that God could get through my barriers, my hurts, my wounds, my fears. It was like the only way he could get to me. And then I started learning that, so then I got comfortable with the dreams, right? I was like, okay, if I need to know something from God, I'm just going to pray, I'm going to go to sleep, I'm going to have a dream. And then they stopped. And I was like, oh, are we not talking anymore? Nope, just going to change the way I talk, right? So those of you who have kids, you know that if you have more than one, you have to talk to them different because everybody's different, right? So my mom talks to my brother one way, and then she talks to me different because we're two different people. And so God was like, you know how when you exercise, like sometimes I work my arms, sometimes I run and work my legs, sometimes I work my abs, um, he started exercising different spiritual muscles. So I would dream. I would have a vision. I would feel something in my gut. I would, I would hear something in my thoughts. I would, all these different things. One day I was sitting on the front porch at my parents' house, and this dragonfly came and sat on the porch next to me for like an hour, just sat there. And from that day forward, dragonflies became this symbol for me that God is always there. They're an animal. Um, When I heard Brian talking about his puppy, I was thinking like, oh, God, I love it when God talks to me through my dog. Like, that's so fun. He makes himself hearable. He wants to talk to you. 
He said over his dead body would he not be in relationship with you. He didn't die on a cross and then go, all right, figure out how to get to me. He's the only, this, our faith is the only faith where you actually see a God come to humanity. Not the other way around. He came to us. Like That's how much he wants a relationship with us. A couple of weeks ago, I have this like pregnancy app that tells me what Mitchell's developing and where he's at. And the other week it said, I woke up on it and I always check it every Thursday because that's when my weeks change. And it was like, his ears are open. And I just wept. My husband was like, what is, what is happening? And I was like, he can hear us. He can hear us. Let me tell you something. I've never laid eyes on this baby. But in that moment, the only thing I wanted him to know was how much I loved him and how much I wanted him, how much I prayed for him, and how many nights I wept asking God, why is this taking so long? Where is my baby? I wasn't, I didn't, find out he could hear and go, okay, now when you get here, let's start talking about how this is going to look and all the rules that I have in place and what you're going to do and how you're going to function. Let me tell you something. I have no rules. I have this kid. And the only thing that I care about is that he knows that his mama loves him more than anything in the world, that, that she would lay down her life for him in an instant and not think twice about it, and that she wanted him more than she wanted anything else in the whole world. That's all I care about. I don't care if he, uh, I don't care if he knows that uh, you're not supposed to put your elbows on the table. I don't care if he knows that you're supposed to be quiet in church. I don't care. Not worried about it. He'll figure it out. I mean, he may run around this whole room screaming while his papa's preaching, and I might let him. I don't know. Because I love him, and he's, he's perfect, and I wouldn't change anything about him, and I wanted him more than I wanted anything else, and I would have given up anything in the world to have him. And that's what I wanted him to know. So here's what I want you to know. You don't have to be afraid of what God's going to tell you. You don't have to be afraid of what he's going to say. Because there's nothing in the world that he wants you to know more than how much he loves you and how much he wanted you. And how many times over he would climb up on a cross to make sure he could have a relationship with you. That's what he wants you to know. That's all he's going to say. When Jonathan and I decided, we had this awesome plan. We were like, we're going to get married, I'm going to finish grad school, and we're going to have a baby. It was great. And I was like, this is, this is awesome. We're going to have this whole, we got this plan. We're going to buy a house. It's going to be great. And I finished grad school, and I was like, okay, now we can have a baby. And then we didn't. And we were kind of looking at each other like, what do we do now? This is supposed to be easy, and it's not. This isn't working right. What are we doing wrong? And so then we went to the doctor. I don't know if there's any worse diagnosis than when they put the word unexplained in front of something. 
So the doctor looks at me, she does all these tests, she does all these like super painful tests that are horrible. And she goes, well, everything looks great. Time out. It, there's no way. We've been trying to get pregnant for over a year. There's no way everything looks perfect. There's got to be a problem that then we fix that then we'll get the baby. She's like, no. What we call this is unexplained infertility. I'm sorry. You're the doctor. You're supposed to have the explanation. I don't... Okay, awesome. She's like, yeah. No reason you can't get pregnant. No reason you shouldn't have all the kids you want. Everything looks perfect. Awesome. So I went to church the next week, and I was mad. I was like, God, not funny. She was supposed to tell me why this isn't working, and she didn't. She has no answer. And he was like, Katie, a couple things. Okay. He said, first thing. You don't actually need to know what's going to happen. You just need to know that I'm already there. Mm. Okay, got it. And he said, and I'm going to teach you about having open hands. And he was like, and I just want to ask you a question. If you never have a baby, if you're never a mom, am I going to be enough for you? And I'm going to tell you, that day, I was like, nope. <laughs> nope. See, I was the little girl that was, that made mom put the stroller and the, the diaper bag and all the stuff for my baby doll in the car to take to the grocery store. <laughs> like, she was packing up my diaper bag and I was packing up my baby's diaper bag and we were all going. I was the kid that was with Miss Jean in the kids' church because I wanted to be around the kids. I'm the one at my church in Birmingham who, for the longest, was the only person serving in the kids that didn't have kids in the ministry. See, I didn't want to just be a mom for the past two years. This was a lifetime dream of one day, it's going to be my turn. And God was asking me, what, what if you had to give that up? Are we going to be okay? Am I going to be enough for you? And what I had to come to terms with was I don't always understand how he operates. Mitchell's not always going to understand why, I make, why Jonathan and I make the decisions for him that we do. He's probably going to get mad at us. But I see more than he does, Right? And God sees more than I do. But because I know him, because I know who he is, because I'm so in love with Jesus, and he is the kindest, gentlest, because I know him, I could sit there a couple weeks later and go, okay, God, I'm still going to ask you every day for a baby. Still going to believe that I'm going to have one. But if I don't, I'm going to love 
my friend's children? I, I mean, I'm, their parents are going to be so annoyed with me because I'm going to buy them everything they want. I'm going to take them everywhere. And my husband and I are going to travel the world and we're going to have all this money because we don't have any kids to spend it on. <laughs> and you and I are still going to be okay. I'm willing to put this on the altar, the thing that I want more than anything, if it means that you and I are still okay. Because actually what I want more than anything is you. And that's not an always easy place to get. It's not ever an easy place to get. In Isaiah um, 55 verse 11, he says, It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Everywhere. It always produces fruit and it accomplishes everything I want it to. So when I got a word from God that I was going to, I think I shared this here a couple weeks ago, when the night before my mom called me to tell me that um, they had found the cancer, I had a dream. I was not pregnant then. This was last March, about a year ago. It had been almost two years. Jonathan and I had been um, praying and fighting for our baby. And I had a dream that I was holding a baby. And my mom walked up next to me. And I was like, Mom, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. This right here is the greatest thing I've ever done. And I woke up the next morning. And I was so excited to call her to be like, look, God gave me a dream and had a baby. And it was great. And we're going we're gonna to get a baby. And she called me first. And she told me about the cancer. And I was shaken up. I mean, that's my mama. But I was like, God gave me a word about this last night. And he says that it always accomplishes everything that he wants it to. And he gave me a word that I was getting my promise and she was getting hers. So I'm okay. Were there hard days? Yeah. <laughs> of course there were. Were there days that I was like, oh, Jesus, remember what you said? Do I need to remind you? <laughs> yeah. Of course there were. But he's okay with that. He's okay with that. You can hear Him. He makes Himself hearable to you in the way that you need Him to talk. And you don't have to be afraid of what He's going to say. And there's all this stuff coming at us, right? But some of you have been to my parents' house and, you know, they got this farm. And when I was growing up, my dad would whistle to get my attention. And I promise you, I could be in, like, the Civic Center and people talking. And Roddy Mitchell could whistle and I'd be like... Where's he at? What's going on? Like, I know it. I know his voice. I know my mom's voice. They could show up somewhere and I had no clue they were coming, and they could say, Katie, and I'm like, that's my mom and dad. I know them. I, before I came out, that was the first thing I learned, was their voice. The first thing Mitchell has learned is my voice. 
We were created to hear Him. And I promise you, the way I know my dad's whistle is the way I know God's voice. I can't explain it to you, but it's in my gut. Right? Like you hear it and you're like, oh, yeah. And he doesn't always say what I want him to say. Right? Like what I wanted to hear was, oh, yeah, I'm going to go along with your plan. And, and, and when you and Jonathan decide you're going to have a baby, then I'm going to give you a baby and it's going to be great. But he didn't say that. It's like, I'm going to teach you how to trust me a little bit more. I'm going to teach us how to go just a little bit deeper. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The phrase in there, the Word, if you look it up in the Greek, actually means living voice. Hmm. It's interesting. I thought we were always talking about this. This is part of it. But this is also like a historical textbook if you don't have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't give you much. Our faith is built when we hear Him. Our faith is increased when we hear His voice and we hear Him saying, Hey, you can trust me. You can trust me in the next step. You can trust me when the doctor says something you don't want to hear. You can trust me when you don't understand what's coming. And I'll give you a word. And sometimes it's super clear like me holding a baby. And sometimes when I would ask him for a word, he would say, hey Katie, even in this, will you trust me? Wouldn't give me any explanation, no time frame, nothing. I don't, I don't always understand how he works. But I know that he's good. I know that he loves me. And I know that he never takes me to anything that's bad. And I know that if I encounter something that's bad, he's already on the other side of it. And he's already made a way through it for me. And you want to know how I know that? Because there's a scripture in the Bible that says, if you know how to good, good, good gifts to your children, how much more? Does the Father? And here's what I can tell you. That man right there would never lead me to something that was going to harm me. Not for one second. This kid, not a chance. Jonathan was like, I'm so scared if any child ever picks on Mitchell, like, it's just not going to be good. I was like, you're right. Because he's got a mama. (laughs) And I'm coming. (laughs) Right? Like, if I feel that protective over my baby, how much more does the Father feel over us that looks at the enemy and says, oh, uh -uh. (laughs) you picked the wrong one. That's mine. That's mine. And I don't play about mine. Right? That's good news. (laughs) That's really good news. That's the gospel. That Jesus would come and die on a cross so He could be in relationship with you. That He would give up His life and die the worst possible death you can die so He can talk to you. And it's not about if you feel worthy to hear Him. It, has, it actually has nothing to do with you. 
It has everything to do with the fact that he wants to talk. And he wants to be in a relationship because he wants to talk way more than we want to listen. And he will fight down every battle, every lie, every wall so that you can hear him. Every time. Jesus, you're so good. Thank you that you make yourself hearable. That you communicate with us. That you want relationship with us. And God, I just release a supernatural whistle from heaven that would open up ears, that would open up spirits, that if there are people in this room who say, that all sounds great, but that's not me, that they would hear a whistle from heaven that would open up their ears to hear their dad who wants nothing more than to tell them how loved they are and how wanted they are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we get relationship with you that's present, that's now, that's all the time in every season, in every situation, that you are in the middle of it, that we are always together, always communicating, always with the ability to hear what's coming next, what you're doing next, and that we can anticipate good things because you are a good dad who never gives bad things to his kids. Thank you, Jesus.